Welcome back to What's the Point of the Midrash, the weekly podcast where we take a look at a rabbinic text and offer suggestions to answer the question, what's the point of the Midrash? My name is Rabbi Josh Uter. This week, we read Parshat Toledot that is dominated by the conflict and the tension between the brothers Yaakov and Esav, and to some degree, the entire family dynamic. We're told in Exodus Shmot, 26, 34, 35, that Esau was 40 when he took for a wife Yehudit bat Be'eri from uh, the Hittite and Bosmat bat Elon the Hittite, both being from the nations that lived in the land of Israel. And we know from Abraham that he didn't want Isaac to marry one of them. And in the next verse, we're told the Yena Marat Ruach Rivka, and they were a source of bitterness to Isaac and Rebekah. We don't have any explicit statement, though, of Esau being warned, hey, don't take these particular people, either Hittites or these specific individuals. And there are some Midrashim that talk about their own wickedness. But the Midrash I'd like to focus on today is from Genesis Rabbah, Breshit Rabbah 65.4, where commenting on Exodus 26.35, it says, that it was a source of bitterness to Yitzchak and Rivka, the Midrash here asks, Why is Yitzchak mentioned first? Which is itself, in my opinion, an odd question, because if both of them are going to be mentioned in the Pasuk, one of them has to be mentioned first. I suppose if it was written the other way, it would be that why was Rivka mentioned first? But here, there's enough of a question to ask, why was Yitzchak mentioned first? And the Midrash continues, Ela al Rivka bat kemarim, lo hayata makpedet al tenofet ofudat kochavim. That because Rivka was the daughter of idolatrous priests, she was not as careful or strict as regarding the pollution of idolatry. But this other one, Yitzchak, who was the son of holy people, he was going to be more sensitive to the corruptive influence of idolatry. Davar Acher, another opinion, another explanation as to why Yitzchak is first. Because she was the cause of it, or the whole thing depended on her. Shina Amar, as it says, citing Genesis 25-23, that there are two nations inside of you. And therefore, Lafichach Yitzchak Techila. Davar Acher, a third explanation. Lama Yitzchak Techila, why was Yitzchak first? Ela Darka Shal Isha Liot Yoshevet Betoch Beta. That it's normal for the woman to be sitting at home and normal for the man to go out to the street and learn understanding from people. But here, as Yitzchak's eyes were dim, he stayed at home. Therefore, Yitzchak was mentioned first. 
And the Midrash concludes with a, well, we'll see if it's a really a non sequitur, where Rav Yeshua ben Levi says, Garam lahoro lesalik mimenu ruach hakodesh. That, uh, that according to Rav Yeshua ben Levi, Esav, he was responsible for causing the Holy Spirit, ruach hakodesh, to depart from his parent, meaning Yitzchak. We have three, maybe four different approaches to this about why Yitzhak might have been mentioned first. And I think the pattern here is a matter of noticing things that we're going to be particularly sensitive to. The first approach, I think, is the most explicit in this regard, where if you are brought up in a certain environment where certain things seem normal, then seeing that perpetuated, even if it may not be great, you're going to be desensitized to it and you think, eh, fine, it's no big deal. Whereas if you were isolated or insulated from experiencing certain things, then your first exposure to it is going to be much more pronounced. And you think, well, why in the world are we doing this way? Because other people have already been acclimated that this is the way of the world. So, all right, fine, this isn't great, but eh, what are you going to do? You're going to feel more outrage if you have never been exposed to it, except for the very first time. Therefore, Yitzhak is mentioned first because ostensibly it bothered him more. In the second answer that we're given of that the whole thing was dependent on her, I suppose one way that we could read how, how I translated it is based on the Shnegoim Bivitnech, where God tells Rivka that you've got two nations in your womb. It could mean, we can read this very cynically, that Rivka already knew about it and therefore should have intervened more because she knew that there was going to be a conflict long before uh, even Yitzchak did. Of course, why Yitzchak didn't notice at all is a separate question, which we'll get to in the third one. But the fact that she was told Shnegoim Bevitnech means... She knew what was coming, and either she, you can say that as she became more acclimated to it, or that maybe she should have intervened more because she knew earlier on that, hey, there's going to be a conflict and maybe it requires greater intervention. We could say then that Yitzhak was mentioned first, either because one, uh, he did not have that same degree of sensitivity or preparedness about it because he wasn't aware of the Shnegoim Bevitnech of having these two uh, competing ethoses, if that's the right plural, um, that were going to come forth, or that the Midrash could be saying, well, this was the responsibility of Rivka because she knew this was coming and maybe could have intervened sooner. Which, of course, raises the question, where was Yitzchak for the first 40 years of Asaph's life that he wouldn't have noticed? And there's some Midrashim about that, about how Asaph was able to fool his uh, father Yitzchak. The third opinion kind of addresses that as well. We said, well, it's the norm, whether or not it's the norm now, makes sense that it was the norm then, that the woman was home and the man went out and learned from other people. But Yitzchak, it was only when his eyes were dim and he stayed home that he started to be a, a little more aware of what was going on in his own household. Again, you could easily ask, well, you know, this is 40 years on when Asaph married, you know, at some point there would have been probably some interaction, not to mention Asaph goes out of his house. And basically, he's a grown person. So even if you want to say that, you know, Rivka might have been responsible for rearing the child, you know, Yitzchak just apparently wasn't around a whole lot. 
And I guess he was mentioned first because, well, he just simply wasn't around, and therefore it sort of hit him a little bit harder than it otherwise might have. Again, this goes to the question of desensitization, where the longer you're around it, the less, let's say, surprised you're going to be by it. At the same time, this could also be an understated critique of Yitzhak as well, where Yitzhak just wasn't around and just wasn't paying attention all that much, and therefore when something bad happens, it comes a little bit more of as a shock. Whereas if you're around this all the time, you could say, like, really? Now you're upset 40 years on? You know, what have you been doing up until now? So yes, there's a an understandable psychological reason why the bitterness might have hit him first or hit him harder, but that's not necessarily in Yitzhak's favor because he might, should have known what was going on a little bit sooner had he been around a little bit more. And I think you find more of that critique at the end with Rav Yeshua Ben Levi, where he says that Esav called the divine spirit to leave Yitzhak. You could see this, that it's because of Esav's wickedness that it went away, or that just as Yitzhak had a physical blind spot, he also had a spiritual and psychological blind spot that caused him to lose Ruach HaKodesh, that caused him to lose this connection with God, simply because he just wasn't around and wasn't noticing and wasn't paying attention. So as I'm reading this Midrash, you really have different themes on what does it mean to notice and to be aware of what's going around us and being shocked when something happens. And what does it mean to be desensitized and what does it mean to pay attention if we're really oblivious to what's going around us and then all of a sudden we wake up like, okay, well, better now than later. But in some cases, you know, time for intervention has already passed. It can also be a warning of what does it mean not just only to be oblivious to things, but also to get used to things. Um, meaning just because you're aware of something, once you have that moment of noticing that, hey, there's something wrong here, you can really do one of two things. Well, I mean, many things, but two of the more common approaches would either be you ignore it and you try to deal with it and work with it, and eventually you become acclimated, or you say, no, this isn't right, and I'm going to try to change things. Of course, this doesn't mean that you're always going to succeed, but, you know, at least you try to have some sort of responsibility over what's going on. Anyway, these are my thoughts. I'd love to hear yours. What do you think is the point of this midrash? Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at jayuter. Also on Facebook or send me an email via my website, www.joshuter.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and a wonderful Shabbat.